0: When you are angry, frustrated, um, hostile, you will create conflict in your environment. Or if you are compassionate, loving, generous, you will create something very different in your environment and your environment will shape itself around those behaviors.
1: Welcome to the Emotional Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Splendori, and this week my guest is Julie Starr. Julie is a widely respected authority on coaching, mentoring and personal development. She has written three books on the subject, as well as a young adult novel called Magic to Memphis. You can find out more about Julie on StarCoaching.co.uk Please subscribe, share and review. It's the only way podcasts like this have a chance to survive. For more information, please visit andreasplendori.com. The title tune is "Pressure" by Nevada. I know you're trying to, you're dying to ask me a question, but this time it's my turn to ask you. A question.
0: That's fine. That's fine. So I'm I'm happy to start when you are. Right?
1: Okay. Well I'm here with Julie Starr. Uh, thanks a million, Julie, for your time. And I tell you what I'd like to start. Just give me a, a brief idea of um who you are. How did you get to uh, to the world of coaching? Because I as well, much there's two as two uh, questions.
0: That's two questions. Who I am and how did I get to the field of coaching?
1: That's right, yeah.
0: Okay. Um let me t- let me answer the second one first, because that's a bit that's a bit easier, I think. Um How did I get to the field of coaching? I followed my own breadcrumbs is what I tend to tell people, which is by which I mean um, I noticed what I enjoyed, I noticed what I seemed to be good at, and I noticed a sense of purpose coming from that. So originally my background is change management, project management, a consultancy in, in the whole change field. So I used to support large and sometimes still do, but differently. I used to support, um, large change programs. So business transformation mergers, things like that. And I noticed that it was the people aspects of the change and it was coaching my teams. That was what I was enjoying. I didn't even know that it was called cool coaching. Cause I'm going back more than 20 years now. Um, and I also had a, a uh, an avid interest, a really keen interest in personal development, self-development, you know, this inquiry into um, what makes us happy, successful and fulfilled. So I was studying things like NLB or transformational leadership or TA or all of those things. And, I, and that, that practice or that um, path of inquiry has continued and continued to inform the work I do as a coach, the work I do, With in the as in the coaching community, so speaking at conferences and things like that. Um, So really, it's just following my heart, really, following what what I love to do, what I'm interested in, and sharing it constantly in order to express that.
1: And just I love that uh, following your own breadcrumbs. And how did? um, But you know, you spent quite a bit of time in that change management, and a lot of us find you know end up in a job for a while for whatever reason and we follow that path how long did it take you to really turn around and look at the breadcrumbs and go okay there's more to me for me to life than this
0: it it generally happened in stages so i used to i I used to manage it projects and i decided i wanted to focus on people so then i started to to focus on culture and the people elements of change. And then I realized that I, it was the one-to-one work that I was really enjoying and the, um, the possibility that that was engendering, both in my kind of broader field of work for the communities at large in the workplace, but also for my immediate team. So it was, it was, it was realizing what it was I was doing, how to name that, how to distinguish it. And so it went in stages until I got to such a stage as I was saying to somebody that that used to find me work. At the time, I said, look, I don't want to do this project management, change management thing anymore. I want to do this thing called coaching. And this individual said to me, forget it. He said, you'll never make money as a coach. Uh, People don't understand what coaching is. And if they did understand what it is, they certainly won't pay money for it. And this is literally 23, 24 years ago. and it was one of those really great moments in life because I knew with absolute clarity and certainty that that individual was wrong. I couldn't exactly argue with his point because there was very little there was in terms of the coaching profession or materials. There was no coaching courses. There was, you know, it was it was very formative in the in the UK and Europe in terms of the, the field of coaching. Um, but it was just that surety, that absolute knowing that that. This, there was something in this and, and people, you know, it was it was not only needed, but there was actually a, a thirst for it, a, you know, an engagement in it. As soon as people started to um, experience it, my experience has always been people want more of it, people step forward into it. Um, and that's why for me the, co- the coaching field just isn't going away. It's it, because it's based on these universal truths of our interdependency as human beings and an innate uh need that we all have to serve others and be supported by others and then that kind of dynamic that synergy um as i say it's a, it, for me it's a universal truth it doesn't matter what you call it it still exists as a way that we all evolve together
1: absolutely and um, it's interesting because for me uh what drew me to it is the conversation i love conversations i love there's a lot of value in a conversation like this conversation or any conversation mm-hmm. I have every day. But for me, it's coming from my background my, my family. I grew up in Italy. I, you know, we spent mm-hmm. a lot of time sitting around and talking and, and you know, you don't realize yes. that until like later on in life where the art of conversation comes quite natural. Where did they come from? For me, like where was it? Could you pinpoint it to your background, to your upbringing? It was, or because I know we're all drawn to it for different reasons, but, what was the, the, um, that interdependence? is a really powerful word to use. you
0: know. and, the, and, and coaching, the, the success of, the, well, the activity and success, the effectiveness of coaching demands that we acknowledge that because without that, um, it's one person doing something to another person. And, of course, that is, that's not the dynamic. Mm-hmm. As coaches, we will recognize we often get something from the conversation ourselves in terms of the people that have been brought to us to work with certain issues that seem to be resonant to ourselves in some way, um, so yes, in, in the acknowledgement of our interdependency is, is is certainly fundamental to understanding the um, the activity in the profession. Um, I guess how I came to it was, you know, if I if I had an archetypal. Um, pull or an archetypal driver at the time and, and still have it very strongly, it would be that I am a seeker. I am um, somebody who wants to know, to surface truth. And so the the inquiry um, aspect of this whole activity, not simply the inquiry within the conversation, but that deeper sense of inquiry as you, As a coach, you venture on this journey of inquiry. Um, So, to be successful and just good at coaching, you have to surrender, I I believe, to this journey of self development and self reflection and self inquiry. And as I kind of alluded before about this this continuous study, that becomes the the, um, foundation of what we practice and what we express. But then it also helps us to inquire with the other person. To, so to create conversations of inquiry, to hold that space, to get ourselves out of the way. So a lot of the work that we all do as on our journey towards, you know, being really good at, as a coach is, is to get ourselves out of the way, by which I mean, Relax or reduce the impact of the ego upon us in the conversation. And when we do that, we can surface those conversations of inquiry almost simply from a state of being. So if you would watch me now coaching, I sometimes demonstrate coaching, but if you were to watch me now coach, as opposed to watch me coach 20 years ago when I was still a novice, I was working a lot harder 20 years ago as a novice to ask the right question, to figure a problem out, to fix the situation, to strategize the conversation towards a solution that I felt was going to be the best solution for the individual. Um, And now it's very much, as I say, about about creating this space and this um, way of being that, that is conducive, is supportive of this process of inquiry. So it was that natural marriage, if you like, of, of who I am as a seeker and this fundamental principle of of effective coaching, which is inquiry, certainly the type of coaching that I do, which is inquiry-based coaching. And it was that. It was that resonance between those two things.
1: Brilliant. And part of my research in the last few days, I I listened to uh, three of your podcasts where you did, with, I think, with um, Jane Townsend. They're really, Uh, really, very insightful, very insightful. I must say... What I loved about it, and, and obviously it comes through from the podcast as well as the books, you're pretty direct. You don't really like to mince your words, which is great. You, you yeah. say it the way it is. And, and it's, uh-huh. you know that's your opinion. And, you, yes. and you, you stick to it, which is brilliant. Yes. And uh, that's really what attracted me. But one thing you were saying, uh, and I'm, I'm just curious about uh, you just said it, you mentioned that 23 years ago, you were told, look, forget about it. You're not going to yeah. make any money out of this. Nobody knew what coach yeah. meant. Yeah. 23 years on, and that journey, how. I mean, you work in internationally, I'm assuming, but predominantly yes. in the UK. But how is it in the UK? What is coaching like? How is it seen uh, by cor- corporate corporations, large organizations? How do they see coaching? Is it still a soft skill or are they starting to buy into it?
0: Well, we, yes, there, there, is a, there is certainly a dramatic shift. As I, as I reflect back over the last 20 or so years, there has been a dramatic shift. In in organisations, understanding and appreciation of what coaching can do, either um, for external coaches, where they might bring them in to handle uh, talent development, to handle situations of difficulty, to um, to to help with the whole management and leadership development conversation. Certainly, there's a, a there's a um, a real clarity and and maturity in terms of people's understanding about what coaching can do for them and what they want to do with it. Um, There is also one of the things that um, we do in my team is um, train and, and develop managers as coaches. So to give leadership and management, the skills and behaviors of, of coaching in the performance framework Um, and again, that's something else that has grown in terms of um, it's the people's appetite and also people's understanding. So, yes, it's dramatically different from, say, 20 years ago. There has still got to be, um, there is still lots, lots of opportunity for that to mature even further. There's a tendency for people to um, kind of do some kind of initiative, maybe more or less successful, a little like mentoring. And um, either the person that inspired it might move on or get on to something else. And, and so I think there is sometimes a need to revisit. You know, there can be a tendency within any certainly large organization for people to think, oh, we've done coaching. We did coaching three years ago. We did this big thing about it without, without realizing that. Well, one, the grow model isn't coaching, so the grow model gets used a lot in organisations to, to teach managers how to coach, which is which has a limitation on it um, in terms of understanding and effectiveness. Um, but there's a tendency for, for practitioners internal to an organisation to think, "Oh, we've done coaching; we did this big thing on it. Oh, we've done mentoring; we did this big thing on it," um, without realising that it's a it's a flame that you need to and keep burning and then the whole thing becomes really successful um, in the in some large organizations i see absolutely coach external coaches being cited really usefully in terms of leadership development talent development you know supporting the competency framework i also see it used as a um, an unfortunate tool in a situation of of poor performance, or wanting to uh, sack somebody, you know, move somebody on from the organisation, mm-hmm. or handle a a people issue that a manager isn't doesn't feel equipped to deal with. So a manager will go to HR and say, you know, there's something going on with this person. Can you get someone to fix this? So there are some unfortunate applications of coaching. And certainly, um, I was speaking in a chemistry meeting uh, last week or the week before where this person was only had only ever seen. Coaching used in that way, where they worked in HR and there was, you know, they, they saw coaching as something that happened to people when there was a problem with them. So they were worried because they'd been offered coaching. Um, so there's, there's still further work to do. And, yes, it's, the, the landscape has changed dramatically, dramatically. The whole kind of professionalisation of the field, the, you know, the associations and bodies and the qualifications and the training courses and the millions of books and all of that. Um, you know,
1: the, the, the field has, has certainly changed over that time. Yeah. And because uh, I'm very passionate, I always have been about um teenagers and, you know, young adults, you know, I, I always look back at me right. and go, okay, if I'd learned, you know, we all do that. If I'd known that, yes. if I'd known then what I know now. So uh, yes. one area that I'm exploring at the moment is how to introduce a form of coaching within, uh, say, TY. Um transition here yeah. or anything like that have you ever done that or was it something that's been done or am I just completely uh, it's fun, of, it's not I
0: think I think you're onto something I as you know I'm a writer so I have three books um, on coaching and, and mentoring and I wanted to support young adults and felt that this whole field has such fabulous principles that we operate from in terms of you know, we are the source of our own experience, so we can be responsible. And um, you know, things like the meaning of your communication is the response it gets. And there's just some really great presuppositions and, and principles that we operate from. And I wrote a novel for young adults called Magic to Memphis, and the, the um, you know it's a it's a story of uh, a young teenage girl who's a runaway she's living rough in a trailer in the Midwest of America with just a pit bull terrier for company, and she's just on the right side of the law and she's she's kind of um in all sorts of trouble and and the the novel um takes the individual almost through a coaching journey it takes a young adult through a, a journey of being coached by the book to say you know the the subtitle on the book is "What if your Life was Working from the inside out so what if what was going on inside of you is what's showing up outside of you, which if you um, if you look at the parallel to the coaching conversation, that's a lot of where we get to in terms of, you know, when you are angry, frustrated, um, hostile, you will create conflict in your environment. Or if you are compassionate, loving, generous, you will create something very different in your environment and your environment will shape itself around those behaviours. So that it's kind of a parable in that way. Um, I, think, I think it's, and I think I had this with the book and I, and I wonder if it's true for you too. You, you reflect on what you would have wanted when you were that age and you want to give that to young adults currently. And if you remember what it's like to be a young adult, you certainly didn't want to be told what to do. You certainly didn't want advice from anybody more than three years older than you, or even anybody. Um, and so I wonder if there's an egoic trap in all of that, and I do include myself in you know writing the novel. And um, if there's an egoic trap to say, let me try and rescue somebody that represents myself somehow, because we all you know we look at the, the youth of today and think, gosh, what a world they're inheriting and. Look at the challenge ahead of them, and you can only trust the same process that guided you to where you are now and guided me to where I am now. will be guiding them as well.
1: Absolutely. Uh, at the same time, the reason why I came to the idea is because when I'm looking at organizations where, um, yes, perhaps coaching is, is, is employed by the CEO or whatever, you know, from the top yeah. down, Yes, sometimes doesn't get to the bottom part of the organization if you're looking as a pyramid, and sometimes it's, it's, it it seems to be an, an opportunity missed. So I'm thinking if there was a culture that starts earlier in life, perhaps as a ty, as you know, at the moment in ty mm. they teach meditation, yoga, etc., mm. etc. Et just. Uh, that's that's really my my talk. But I'll I definitely check out your uh, your novel. I that's I, I missed that one. I knew you had the other two. As I say, I read the the coaching manual, and I haven't read the mentoring manual mm-hmm. or the brilliant coach. But uh, but to to go back to your own advice, you mentioned, yeah. um, you know, you could be overwhelmed by try to to com- continually improve, professionally improve by. Trying to read it as much as possible, or try, you know, mm. in, in your podcast you were saying, um, which I really caught my my eye is, uh, you know, you really need to follow what what is true to you, what is important to you. So at the moment, you know, you can yeah. do LMP hypnosis, you can do millions of different things. But That's right. Follow what. So in that in that sense, what how. Uh, You know, even in terms of accreditation and so on, there seem to be an awful lot of, and and there's there's coaches. uh, Yeah, there's a bit too much. There's there's online coaches, there's celebrity coaches. Uh, So when, how, how, like you obviously have an established business at this stage, and and I'm assuming very successful. I didn't go look into it too too in (laughs) in detail, but uh, why, do, why does a CEO, or, or you do predominantly executive coaching, am I correct? That's your... I
0: do, personally, yeah, I, I tend to um, support senior leaders in large organizations. I like to work with women just because um, that's a real growth area and it's a huge opportunity, but I probably have as many men right now as I do women in terms of mine. No, probably slightly more women, but yeah, I tend, I, I like to get women onto the board. I like that whole... Transition stage of you know somebody's career, and I also like to work with people that have made it as far as they want to make it in terms of um, a senior executive position, and are looking for something else in terms of a sense of meaning and purpose around what they're doing. So you know, realizing they've probably got to the top of a ladder and it still doesn't feel the way they want to feel. So yeah, that those are that tends to be the people that I work with, and then I also work with this topic of establishing cultures of coaching. Uh, into management and
1: leadership. So okay. having the manager be a coach. Okay. And um, another thing you were involved in, uh, I, I didn't get a chance to watch it yet. It was a movie called Leap.
0: Yes, over uh, in Los Angeles. Look,
1: uh, yeah. I saw the I saw the um, the trailer. And it looked really interesting. How uh, did I, obviously that came out? And how it was did. that process? It I
0: think it was on Netflix for a while. I think it's still on Amazon. Um, I took a very small part in it. So there was something like, it was a really unusual experiment and they had something like five clients. So five people being coached from all walks of life, from um, an executive, a businessman, an entrepreneur who I worked with a guy called Soon Lu over in Singapore. And they had um, a lady that was launching a lingerie business uh, somebody else that wanted to work with uh, to kind of turn his life around he 'd been a quite a famous news anchor in the u s he 'd crashed and burned and gone through alcoholism and things like that, so it was supporting him to get his life back on track. There was uh, somebody that was approaching middle age and he 'd never had a serious relationship in his life, so that was kind of like a relationship coaching thing so there were a few different people and, and they had they wanted different things from from the coaching. The unusual thing about the experiment was they had something like 36, maybe 32 people, certainly more than 30 coaches working with each individual. So they got so what was interesting about it, it broke all the rules in terms of what EMCC or ICF say should happen, I guess, um, because you had people that were more or less directive in their style. You had people that were more or less qualified in terms of the professional bodies and qualifications and you had people adopting very different um, tactics around coaching so some people were doing physical work some people were doing um i don't know taking them out into the desert and doing you know mm-hmm. round the round the campfire type conversations um, i worked one-to-one with uh at least two of them but mo- mostly soonly and they were more my st- they were more conventional executive coach type one-on-one conversations to help him with his business so it was a a really interesting experiment they all 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 the clients ended up at very different places and um i'm not sure that the movie tells the full story because it's it feels like you would always want to do a part two and go back and say you know what's happened where are they now sort of thing but yeah it's a it's certainly it was a fantastic Project to be involved in because it was great fun. You know, we were going over to Los Angeles and Santa Monica and, um, you know, filming up in the Hollywood Hills and so it was, yeah, it was great. It was great, and I'm still in touch with Zule. He still sends me texts and, um, I'll meet him again. I've no doubt.
1: And did it serve the like? In my understanding, i see, they they are trying to you know you can book to do your own screening and, and I'm assuming it's to do to promote the the world of coaching, right? Is that the um, idea?
0: I think I think that. That was the intention of the movie. I'm not sure. I th- from, from the feedback that it gets, it's the kind of thing that coaches enjoy watching because you, are, you see lots of different forms of coaching. I think for the uninformed or less experienced, you know, general person from the streets, I'm not sure it gives any further clarity on what coaching actually is because you see it in such different forms. You see, you know, one person shouting one coach, shouting and screaming at somebody to do something. And then you see people like me asking open questions and giving people long silences in which to consider, reflect, gain insight, awareness, all of that good stuff.
1: Brilliant. Okay, but talking about... Just, um, um, I heard you say you wrote the first book, uh, the, you wrote the coaching Manual, because it was a book you would have wanted to have when you started yes, uh, the, 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 the profession. And I, as I say, and I, and I said again, I read it. I really enjoyed it. I had to read it. Had to read it for my my course. I, I didn't know yes. that the, the book existed. But what I loved about it is, it's just really straightforward. You know, it tells you exactly what you need to do in a way that it's um, it's very easy to digest. And but one thing <laughs> that really caught, caught my uh, and I did my my essay on it was the the fact that you know one of the things you said about you know, the coaching profession could be quite a lonely profession. So if you have a business, established business, and you don't drop everything now to, to get yes. into coaching because you could find yourself a bit of a, uh, you know, of a loose end and the, you might lose the inspiration. that you know. And that's what yes. I find. You know, like my own business, yes. I have a different business, and, and I find the inspiration from people, everyday people and, that I meet through my business very in, inform my coaching profession as such. Now, are you a full-time coach? Obviously, you have been for a long time. And where did you um, get your inspiration from?
0: No, I'm not. No, I wouldn't oh, yeah. call myself a full-time coach. Okay. So, um, I, I, so, I run my business, and you're right, my, my business does very well, thank you. We have, um, I have a small team of people that are either doing um, executive coaching, or they're doing leadership development, or we're doing this manager's coach training. We're just pulling all our training Uh, That we've been doing for a lot of years um we're pulling all of that online as you imagine so my day is a lot you know at the moment we're finishing videos and and online collateral so i spend a lot of my time either writing coaching my team um i speak at conferences um and also i i have a small select portfolio of people that i'm coaching myself so i i i don't, well, there probably has been times in my career where you would look and think she's a full-time coach because I had very little time to do anything else. But I took a decision a few years ago to reduce my list, my one-to-one coaching list, to be able to focus on, on the nature of situation and level of leadership that I wanted to work with and, and also just give myself a more broad and varied um, existence really because it's coming back to your original point – When, when people first come into this field and they learn to coach, it can be such an amazing, enjoyable, enlivening experience that we almost think we found whatever, you know, the thing is that is going to make us super, super happy. And there's a real egoic trap here. And it's, and it's that the ego starts to, um, inflate and awaken around this sense of, oh, we're changing lives here, which, you know, we're really helping people, whatever helping people means, or I'm now serving others in a way that's really meaningful. And, and as I said, there's a really in Um And the tendency is, when we start to get super excited about this whole field, is to think, A, we need to do this to the exclusion of everything else. And there's a real business uh, reason why you wouldn't want to do that you know there's a, a kind of a business development reason why you wouldn't want to do that but we think we have to you know give everything else up and and throw everything on this holy grail of, of coaching and also that we have to rub ourselves out and draw ourselves again as a coach whatever a coach is. so we have this internal image of a coach and then we have an uh, an image of what we think we are and then, okay so you know i was a recruitment agent or i was a whatever, pro football, it doesn't matter. And now I need to be a coach. And then the gap between where I am now and my mental model of a coach becomes the, the name of my pain, if you like. And there's, there's, a, there's a real trap in that because what it does is, is it almost throws away, there's a saying, isn't there, throw away the baby with the bathwater. It throws away all of the rich tapestry All of the the true wealth of you as a professional. And all of your experience and refinement up until now, all of your connections, all of of that you know to be true about the environment you operate from. And it also creates a sense of an over there-ness rather than a here-ness. So the over there-ness then starts to create this sense of lack, which is, oh, I'm not over there. I need to be over here over there and I'm here so something's wrong so then we set up a something's wrong and and it I know it sounds ridiculous but I have so many conversations with people that says oh I've had a 25 year career as this I've been made redundant so now I want to be a coach and it's like they're willing to just junk this whole 25 year career as something that gives them a way of being a coach it gives them a brand as a coach it gives them some niche as a coach that they can build on it gives them a set of available contacts and relationships that they can tap into as a resource and yet they're willing to turn their back on that and put themselves into emptiness and nothingness as a as a coach does that make sense
1: it does indeed it does indeed, and uh, I, I absolutely and um, because that's uh like i i i did football coaching for 12 years while i was ah! while i was running but uh, you know it, i never stopped what I was doing for a living, my my business, because yes. that was yes. and so I, I was both the football coach and I was also the the businessman. So no, I hear exactly what you're saying and that that important. one
0: enriches the other. So you absolutely. being a football coach enriches you as a business
1: person. Oh, absolutely, and uh, it, it, that goes back to all the the community work and everything that yeah. it, that enriches my life and that that's that's me and that's what if you become my client, that's what you get. So you're not gonna get new uh, you, yes. Andrea. You're getting me and uh, yes. over 50 with all, all that baggage and have something to yes. say about it. I won't keep you much longer, but what I was saying, so I have my question prepared, what makes you a successful coach? But I, as I heard, I heard on your podcast, Jane Vanzen already asked you that question. You also did a master class on and you break it down to three things, your professional uh, approach, approach your self-development, and your self-care. Yes. What I'm really curious about is the self-care piece because um, – yeah, that's just something that always interests me. What's your self-care? What do you do?
0: Yes, to look yes. After and just, just to acknowledge, to anybody that's listening, I wants to hear the, the kind of the three areas. The, the podcasts that you're referring to, I think, are on YouTube, aren't they? Is that where you find them?
1: I find them on YouTube, yeah, and I can put them in the show notes. So I put a link in the show okay. notes for people to listen. Right. But, yeah, please, to talk to us. So,
0: so, yes, you're, you're, you're right. The, the first, the, I boil it down to three things. And the three things are to professionalise your your approach, uh, to distinguish what you do, um, to make your personal and um, professional development the enabler of everything you do. And the third area is self-care. And actually, um, from my own experience, self-care should almost be the first one, but nobody's going to listen to it as a first one. What I've, what I've found is that because... Well, my own experience was I, I experienced burnout a few years ago and had to take almost a year out because I was flatlined in terms of my energy and health, and um, that was a really positive thing because what it what it had me realise was this serving element. Well, there's two things. When a lot of us as practitioners are self-employed, so there's um, there's this work hard effort that seems to go with that. So you're either doing great work or you're finding more work or you're doing work and you're finding work but this this kind of self-employed developing a business building a business and practice that that's an open-ended occupation and um also there's this sense of coaching being something that we're doing for others And and it kind of comes back to that egoic trap i mentioned earlier because it's about other people. There's, there can be um, an energy cost to that, if we're not careful. And where you have a family, dependents, you might have a partner, you might have children or both, um, your life can, you know, over a period of time, it can be around everybody else. It kind of, It's about everybody else. We're either serving people in our work or we're looking after the home and, and the family or... We're trying not to, you know, let the business fall over at the same time that, you know, so it's about everybody else and what everybody else needs. And so much of that is in the fabric of coaching as a, as a service profession, if you like, that there is a real trap in it of burnout. And so, and also, this is this is why it's one of the enablers of, of what causes us to be successful, because the counterbalance to that, which is to choose yourself, to look after yourself, to put in that foundation of self-care into your working week, into your weekends, into your leisure time, the, 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 the need and the tendency to do that can actually drive further success. So you've, also, you've already mentioned uh, yoga and I think you mentioned meditation. Those, those would be too easy Main building blocks of self care, you know, meditation. Absolutely, don't you know? I would say to anybody, if you're in the coaching profession, it's a mind game. And if you're not meditating, you're not developing the mind power and the intention and the focus of attention that that you need to be competent. So, you know, meditation, um, qigong, tai chi, whatever, anything that is that kind of zen mind body thing. Yoga certainly. Um, you know, those putting those formative practices into the fabric of our day-to-day reality not only um, engender your, your health, your mental well-being, your sanity going forward, but they also um, directly enhance or enable you to be successful by making you a better coach. So absolutely self-care. Um and that's a, it's a bit like you were saying earlier about your, your personal development. That has to be a personal journey because what might be self-care and might, what might work for me might be torture for somebody else. You know, For some people, running, cycling, something with more motion and more energy in it gets you into that Zen space. Um, and then for others, it's, it's yoga or it's Pilates or it's, I don't know, whatever it might be. It could be anything, but it needs to be your thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And just there before I finish, do you, do you get coaching? Do you, get, do you have your own coach? Do you occasionally get coaching? Sometimes? I
0: do. Um, so my, my occupation in terms of this personal development is constant. So I'm always getting some kind of coaching. I'm doing a Deepak Chopra thing at the moment, which is you a know, guided 21-day program. Um, so I'm always occupied in some kind of reflection, inquiry, st- area of study. Um, in addition to that, I have a team of coaches. So where we are speaking to each other constantly, it's difficult not to get coached. Um, sometimes around a particular issue, I'll request one of my guys to give me some supervision around a situation. And quite often that's just to give me some emotional release with the, the uh, stress and tension of something that's going on. I get involved in, as you might expect, some pretty uh, significant and sometimes dramatic situations i i uh yeah um and so i'll either ask for coaching or i'll be supported by my constant practices or there's something going on all the time so i, I was in a conversation with one of my guys yesterday saying and it's the second conversation i've had with a, a couple of my team over the last week saying, can you give me some feedback on, on how you see i'm operating within the lockdown situation right now i'm interested to hear what you've been observing of me over the last three so yes I do but it tends to be more spontaneous is you know so I'm not occupied in supervision I have I have got one of my guys is a is a supervisor but I'm not occupied in supervision or anything like that
1: okay and tell me something um have you any more books? And I love the idea of the young adult novel. I'm definitely going to buy that one and, and, and show it to my kids. Magic but, to uh,
0: Memphis, yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: anything else in the pipeline for? In terms yes.
0: Of well, we take. I think we're taking the coaching manual and the mentoring manual into another edition this year. So I'm I'm reviewing those and and I'm a. I tend to go through the whole thing again to review the whole thing again to throw things out to put things back in. So I'm doing that. And um, I also have another manuscript that I'm just finishing called The Truth Keeper, which is another novel for young adults that I'm mm-hmm. currently seeking an agent for. So, um, yeah, that's an interesting one. It's, it's, um, it's another quest. It's another journey. It's another revealing into the, you know, the, the illusion revelation of the illusion. So yes, I'm looking forward to finishing that.
1: Brilliant. Looking forward to, to, to see when it comes out. But, um, I could talk to you all day, Julie, but I know you have uh, stuff to do. And uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to spend yeah, some time and, and tell us your story. And um, thanks a million. And see you again.
0: Thank you, Andrea. Really enjoyed it. Good luck with the talk.
1: <laughs> thanks a million. Bye now.
0: Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.